You're listening to the free preview episode of On Grief, a podcast about death by Karen Geyer. To unlock the full episodes, please visit patreon.com forward slash on grief pod. Memberships start at just $2 a month. This is On Grief, a podcast about death. Episode 10, EMDR. The brain is like a filing cabinet. And the memory of, of finding Lydia had become an errant file. And it was coming up at inappropriate times through nightmares and flashbacks. I couldn't control it. It was controlling me. So the goal of EMDR is to take that memory and file it away in an orderly fashion so that it's there for you to pull up when you want to pull that file up, but it's not going to just pop up when you don't want it to. So essentially what, what I did was I held these electronic pulsers in my hand and they would like tick tock back and forth. So then I'd close my eyes and the therapist would say, all right, let's go through the memory of finding Lydia. And with your eyes closed, they instinctually follow that tick-tocking of the pulsers in your hand, simulating uh, REM, rapid eye movement, which is what happens when we sleep. And what I've learned is how we process what we've seen throughout the day and process a lot of things through REM. So basically you're tricking your body into thinking it's asleep and while you're talking about this awful memory. And over a while, like what was crazy is new details of the memory would emerge. Like she'd be like, what were you wearing? What was on Lydia's bedside table? What was the weather like? You know, and like you almost, you flesh this picture out and it's awful and traumatic as it sounds because you're literally reliving the worst thing that ever happened to you over and over and over and over and over again. But after a while, it just, for me, the flashbacks went away, the nightmares went away. And it totally worked. Like I had control over the memory. And at some point I just sort of told the therapist, I'm done with this. And she's like, then you're done with this. And it's, she's great. I still call her up every couple of months and, and just say, can I come in? And I don't do EMDR, but we just talk. Um, but it was really hugely breakthrough for me. And it, and it 100% works. So I'm a big believer in it, but I've now spoken on it some, and I've had people tell me that they had terrible experiences with people who weren't great, and now they're just reliving this traumatic memory over and over and over again with someone who's not helping guide them through it. So, you know, buyer beware. Um, but my encouragement to people is if you find someone and you're doing it and it doesn't work, try it again with somebody else because I think I just lucked out and found a really exceptional practitioner of this strange therapy. Recently on this show, our guest Adam Caton Holland described dealing with the trauma of finding his sister dead by suicide with EMDR. But what is EMDR? My guest today is Dr. Roger Solomon, who is an expert in EMDR. Welcome, Dr. Solomon. Even though EMDR has been around since the 1980s, a lot of people might not understand what it is. So can you explain to us what EMDR is? 
Well, um, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing is a therapeutic approach, uh, evidence-based, that can process, let's say, disturbing memories. That's probably the simplest way to put it. So to, to uh, elaborate, when there's a um, disturbing moment that can be too much, this memory can get frozen in the brain. It gets stored with the images, thoughts, emotions, beliefs, sensations. We can say living in trauma time. It gets stored the same way it was input. And because it's something that is uh, too much, it's, uh, it's maladaptively stored, it's isolated and something to be avoided. So uh, when there's some kind of a present trigger, uh, some kind of a reminder, uh, it, it can just bring up, can trigger this maladaptively stored information and up come the beliefs, sensations, thoughts, and that's what influences current behavior. So present problems are the result of memories that have been maladaptively stored, unable to fully process. What do we know about how EMDR was discovered? Francine Shapiro was uh, taking a walk in the park in 1987, thinking about something that really bothered her. And what caught her attention is that the disturbing thoughts disappeared. And when she brought it back, and no, the, the, these disturbing thoughts no longer had uh, the same emotional punch. And she brought up another disturbing memory and the same thing happened. The disturbing thoughts, emotions disappeared. And when she brought it back, it no longer had the same charge to it. And she realized what was happening was that her eyes were moving spontaneously and rapidly back and forth in an upward diagonal direction. So then she brought up yet another disturbing memory, moved her eyes in the same way, and the same thing happened. Then she started trying it with other people. And she would say, bring up disturbing memory and show them how to move their eyes. And most people couldn't. So then she simply said, follow my fingers. Now, half the time things would shift. The other half, it would stall. So she developed a protocol around the eye movements, borrowing from a, a lot of different psychotherapeutic approaches. And then in 1989, her research was published in the uh, Journal of Traumatic Stress. Uh, replicated in 95. And, and at this point, there's maybe about 44 controlled, randomly controlled studies showing that it's uh, effective with uh, trauma, anxiety, depression, and grief. On this show, we've heard how EMDR can help with grief. But are there other conditions that can be helped by EMDR? Like OCD or generalized anxiety disorder? Any problem or disorder, psychological disorder, that has disturbing memories at its root. So post-traumatic stress disorder, for a lot of research on that, uh, depression, anxiety, and yes, that does have applications to uh, OCD and uh, addiction and really any disorder or problem that has disturbing memories uh, at, its, at its base. And even when there's something that like uh, a somatic disorder or, or physical problems, when of course EMDR is not, 
cannot treat a physically-based disorder, but there are psychological consequences. The powerlessness, the lack of control, I'm not good enough or I'm damaged, uh, <clears throat> that EMDR can be very helpful in providing relief. What is the science behind EMDR? Why does it work? Well, there's a number of different theories. There's a lot of research on that maybe the eye movements, the bilateral stimulation, does something to interfere with the uh, visual spatial memory. And so there's a lot of research showing that uh, the eye movement, just the eye movement alone, will result in negative disturbing images becoming more vague and negative emotions uh, diffusing. So there is a desensitization effect just with the eye movements. Now, there's a lot more to EMDR than just the eye movements. So just, just to uh, elaborate a little bit more that what happens is the client will bring up those disturbing memory. Then the therapist will do bilateral stimulation, which can be eye movements. It could be alternative taps. It could be tones, bilateral tones. And what that uh, may be doing is stimulating the brain's intrinsic natural information processing mechanisms. And uh, so interfering with the visual spatial memory, negative images and emotions decrease. And uh, also what happens is that the adaptive information that's stored in the brain then starts to link into the memory network with the disturbing memories. And this is what results in integration. That memory, which was stored in isolation and highly charged, now becomes integrated in, in the highly or, or, or in the uh, wider memory network, adaptively stored and able to inform future behavior. Maybe uh, the rapid eye movements, maybe similar mechanisms as what's going on in dream sleep. And also, what research has showed is that. The way it may work neurologically, research by Marco Pagani in Rome, Italy, has shown that what happens during EMDR is that there seems to be something similar to happening like slow wave sleep. When we're sleeping, this, the slow waves push the trauma through the brain. So we have the slow wave sleep, and, and this can be seen neurologically on, on, on neuroimaging studies, pushing it through and maybe something about what the rapid eye movements having to do with dream sleep. Uh, there's more communication between the prefrontal cortex of the brain where we think and the uh, hippocampus where an amygdala where negative memories can be stored. There's also neurological evidence that EMDR changes the way that the memory is stored in the brain. What are the prerequisites that a candidate would have to have to be able to do EMDR? There are some criteria. Uh, what's important that the person is able to stay present with the emotions. So if a lot of emotions come up, a person can cry, but is aware of what's going on and can describe what's going on. If somebody is, has complex trauma or dissociation, or for example, then maybe there may be numbing 
or lack of realization of the memory. It's not felt or a memory when it's brought up is too much to stay present. So what we would need to do there is preparation, a number of different preparation interventions to raise the uh, client's integrative capacity, their ability to track emotions and sensations, uh, to be able to calm and self-soothe, and that would prepare them to stay present when processing a disturbing memory. Is EMDR only practiced on adults, or does it work with children, too? It works very well with children. There's also many studies showing the effectiveness of EMDR with children. Is there anyone or any type of condition that someone could have that would preclude them from doing EMDR? Are there some people who just shouldn't do it? People that have a very serious disorder psychological disorder may need some extended stabilization first. Um, There should also be a stabilized social environment, you know, or at least good enough. Uh, The person should uh, also be able to do some kind of self-soothing. So there there may be a number of people who may not be ready or initially unable to bring up the memory and stay present with it. It can be too much. And so they start getting either too anxious or go numb. In that case, what the therapist should be doing uh, is not just jumping into a memory that can be you know, too much, but doing some preparation, building resources, integrative capacity, and other interventions to enable the person to be able to stay present when processing the memory. What can a person expect to do in their first session of EMDR? What you should expect is the, you know, sit down like you would with any therapist to find what it is you want to work on, what the problem is. Uh, the therapist should get some idea of the uh, history uh, as well as what are the situations in the present uh, where the client would get triggered. And then we would also talk about goals for the future. How do you want to handle these situations in the future? Then there should also be some explanation about EMDR and maybe doing a calm or safe place exercise. Not that that all can take place in, within the first session, but this is how treatment would begin. Unlike something like talk therapy, EMDR seems to have a very specific treatment protocol, and there are a number of phases to the treatment. So can you explain how that works and what the phases are? First phase would be a a history phase. And that's where we would start to gather, you know, what's the problem and where's this coming from? So, for example, if somebody has a loss, uh, maybe, uh, you know, somebody, uh, an attachment figure, somebody you know, a loved one dies, and, and that's very painful. And we certainly want to know the circumstances of the loss, but we want to know about the relationship. But also, are there other past losses or traumas that are also, uh, that have also been activated by the present loss? So this is why we would want to take a history. And then the second phase is preparation. 
This is where we want the, uh, to ensure the client has self-soothing skills, that they are able to stay present or have ways to dissipate or, or discharge uh, tension, you know, a safe or calm place, you know, breathing exercises as needed. This may not take so long for some people, but may need to be extended weeks, months, or or longer, um, you know, for other people, depending on capacity, depending on their history. And certainly we would explain about EMDR. You know, we come up when the history and preparation phases with the treatment plan. What are the memories that need to be processed to free the client up from the present disturbance? What are the present triggers that need to be processed? And then we want to lay down a positive future template for adaptive behavior. So EMDR is utilized for past, present, and future. To unlock the rest of this episode and to hear more episodes, visit patreon.com forward slash on grief pod.